Good morning, Christ Old Fast. This is Eric Sorensen uh, coming to you from my office today, and we are continuing our look this morning in our uh, devotions through Ruth. We're in the last chapter of Ruth, Ruth chapter 4. Short book, but packed full of, of much, and so we've been able to stay in this book for a while, and I'm really uh, looking forward to sharing with you some of the insights that uh, God has given me today uh, in this passage. Uh, if you remember, uh, last week when we left off, we really uh, we saw a picture of Christ through Boaz uh, submitting himself to the Redeemer law, uh, that law that obligated him to find the person with the legal right to Naomi's land and Ruth's hand in marriage. And as we saw in fulfilling that law, uh, it could have come at a great personal cost for him. Uh, namely, he could have lost the woman that he had fallen in love with if this other person at that time had decided that he wanted to be the redeemer of uh, land and of Ruth, then it would have been his legal right and Boaz would have been out of luck. But like Christ, Boaz walks with integrity, he trusts God, and uh, the man ends up saying, I will go ahead and let you have Ruth as your wife, and I'll let you go ahead and purchase the land uh, to be Ruth's redeemer and provider. And so that's sort of where we left off. Now we're in verse 7, and it begins like this. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and all and to Malon, also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. End of reading. Um, now, there is, <laughs> there's all sorts of uh, things that we just read that if you don't read it in the context, in the light of the rest of the story, and you don't have a little understanding of the way things may have been done in those days, you're just kind of going to go, I don't know what you just read. Um, so let me try and uncover some things that might be hidden. First of all, uh, we don't know much about the reason for the handing over of one's sandal in that day, uh, in, some, in this sort of redemption ceremony, except that it was obviously some sort of legal binding symbol. Uh, similar to what we might think of as, as a handshake, the way a handshake was seen back in the day, or maybe a contract uh, today, it was, you know, this is a man's word. It was done in front of witnesses so that all could see, so that they could be held accountable for keeping their word. And so whatever its roots, the, the point that's being made is that it is official now. Boaz has completed the redemption process. He has bought the property uh, that had been owned by Naomi's uh, former husband, by Naomi's uh, 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 husband that had passed away, and he has paid everything necessary to obtain Ruth as his wife legally. 
And there are, I think, three highlights of this transaction, this purchase, that need to be noted before we go on any further uh, and really conclude the chapter next week, in which I think, once again, through Boaz, we really see a wonderful picture of Jesus. Uh, and so, first of all, the thing I want you to notice is that redemption is costly. We don't know how, exactly how much Boaz has to pay in order to redeem Ruth and to buy the land from Naomi's uh, family, but we do know he had to pay. We do know, um, we don't know a ton about what the cost was, but we do know he had to pay. Uh, Jesus himself also had to pay in order to redeem us. He had to give his life up as a ransom in order to buy us back, the scriptures say, from eternal death and from sin's power and from Satan's domain. As Jesus said, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 3.16, that famous slice of gospel truth says simply, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Oftentimes, uh, it is said that salvation is totally free, and you know what? For us, that's true. It is. It's free. It, we don't have to do anything. It's, we don't, it's, it's apart from works. It's apart from our ability to do a thing. But at the same time as we proclaim that good news, we should always remember to proclaim that for God, it is not free. That for God... The cost was his very own son. Martin Luther uh, said it this way, quote, Although out of pure grace God does not impute our sins to us, he nonetheless did not want to do this until complete and ample satisfaction of his law and his righteousness had been made. Since this was impossible for us, God ordained for us in our place one who took upon himself all the punishment we deserve. He fulfilled the law for us. He averted the judgment of God from us and appeased God's wrath. Grace, therefore, costs us nothing, but it cost another much to get it for us. Grace was purchased with an incalculable, infinite treasure, the Son of God himself. End quote. Your sin, my sin, incurs such a heavy debt that the precious blood of Jesus Christ has to be shed in order to pay it off. As Romans 5, 6 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for you, and me, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Redemption is costly. And that's why at the end of it all, Jesus uses an accounting phrase, to die, paid in full, it is finished. He's done it, but it cost him everything. That's the first thing we note in this passage. Second thing, redemption makes us a bride. As a result of the price that Boaz pays for Ruth, she is now his bride. 
And the Bible teaches in many different places that because Jesus has bought us, we, the church, actually are his bride too. If you look at Revelation 19, verse 7, or Revelation 21, verse 7, you'll see that. Um, as a man, I have to admit, this picture was a little strange to me when I first became acquainted with it. But over the years, especially since I've been involved in weddings as a pastor, I have really grown to love the imagery of Christ being our groom and, and uh, me being uh, his bride. The way the Bible paints the picture for us as the church is that we are currently sort of engaged or betrothed to be married to our Lord. And, you know, I just can't help but think of how engaged people act before they are to get married. Um, frankly, I, I've been around them a lot because I've done a lot of premarital counseling, and they're kind of ridiculous and silly with anticipation and there's constant planning going on and there's just so much joy at thinking about what is going to happen the day that they're married and the day that they finally get to spend their whole life together. And that is the way that Jesus wants us to think about how he looks at us that he's going to prepare a place for us right now, and that, that what he's doing is, uh, it, with deep anticipation, planning that great day, that wedding feast, when we'll finally be with him forever at his second coming, when he'll take his bride to that marriage feast in celebration. And when he takes us, because of the redemption cost he's paid, he'll take us spotless and pure, because he's bought us, and made us suitable for his kingdom through faith. Last part. Redemption makes you a part of God's family. It's interesting. Once Ruth is bought by Boaz, uh, of course she's brought into the larger family. And when you get to verse 13, which we didn't read today, she isn't referred to as Ruth the Moabite, but simply Ruth. One of the things that is rejoiced over constantly in the New Testament, frankly rejoiced over much more than we tend to do it, is the fact that Gentiles, those outside of God's covenant people Israel, like Ruth and like most of the church today, were made eligible for God, for God's kingdom through Christ's redemption. In one particular passage found in Ephesians 2, uh, the apostle excitedly writes, I mean, he's really pumped up about this. He says, uh, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body and through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Because of the redemption that was paid by Jesus, he makes us a part of God's family. I just, I, I have to say, I think a message about a God who makes it possible for those outsiders, those people without a strong family, but those people that have no family, to be a part of a family may indeed have quite a bit more relevance than we recognize. Uh, we live in a world in which the family is just so fractured and people long for something like it, something like a real family. I saw this all my life. I, I grew up in a in a great family. My parents were uh, were around and were together. 
unfortunately, most of my friends growing up did not come from a home that had that kind of stability. And here's what I saw as a kid. Um, there were ton there were friends of mine that would come over to my house, and even if I wasn't there, would still want to come in and hang out with my mom and dad. Why was it? They craved, they craved being a part of a family. They, many times, I can remember many people saying, "I didn't think, I didn't think that this existed. I thought it was only on TV." Now, my, my parents were not perfect, and my family was not perfect, but it was just, it's just to say that people they crave community, they crave family. If you look at documentaries about gang members and why they join up with gangs, why is it? Because they want family. The gang is their family, and what Jesus says to us because of His redemption, and what Boaz says to Ruth is. You're adopted in. You're part of the family. You're part of something that is that will never end. A family that will never leave you. That will never that will never be gone. That you'll be with forever. So you're no longer Ruth the Moabite, or you're no longer the Norwegian or the Italian or the Mexican or even the American. You are not primarily the widow or the drug addict or the alcoholic or the gossip or the abused or the homosexual or the poor or any other label the world wants to slap on you or that you want to slap on yourself, Christian. Those things, those parts of your identity might be part of who you are, but you primarily are the bride of Christ, covered in the pure white righteousness of his wedding gown, made part of his family forever. That is who you are. First and foremost, and it's it is that way because Jesus has done everything to redeem you. You have taken His name now. You are a Christian. I hope you have a wonderful week. I hope that encourages you. God bless you. You redeemed once.